The Bible Study Podcast, episode 532. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Samuel chapter 12. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. So we talked about David and Bathsheba last week, and David sleeps with his neighbor's wife while the neighbor is off at war, and then to try and cover it up, he brings the neighbor back. That doesn't work because the neighbor won't sleep with his wife because he feels guilty that he is not at the front with his men, and so David has him killed. And at the end of that chapter, so far as we knew, David had gotten away with it. But then this chapter happens, Second Samuel 12 consequences. Nathan rebukes David. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the men and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over, because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says, Out of your own household I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. A lot of powerful men these days are learning the lesson that David learned, and it is a hard lesson. A lot of things going on right now as we record this in the news about sexual assault and sexual harassment and people who have been doing it for years and had gotten away with it and now are not getting away with it, that they're The truth is coming out about what they have done. And that's really the lesson that David learned is the truth comes out. When you do something in secret, don't expect it to stay secret. And the other thing that God is really pissed off at David about is not just that he did this thing, but he did this thing despite all that God had done for him. And as we hear in that story of Nathan the prophet, 
that he was among all men in Israel most blessed, right? That he is not just sitting there with one wife, he has multiple wives. He's not just sitting there in a fine house, but in a palace. And none of this did he earn. He was born a shepherd boy. Not to say that he didn't do a good job as a warrior, not to say that he didn't do a good job at all that he did, but that God blessed him with all of this. But he still wants more. Right, He's still up on the roof of his house and sees this woman bathing and wants her to, despite the fact that she is not his, despite the fact that this is wrong and he knew it. And you know that he knows it's wrong because of how he goes about it and because of what he does to try and cover it up afterwards. He knew that this was wrong and he thought he'd gotten away with it. And when Nathan comes to tell the story, he does not have any clue that Nathan is talking about him. He has this this righteous anger against whoever this man is who has taken his neighbor's sheep. He has righteous anger about the guy who has stolen the sheep, and yet he is guilty of murder. Yet he is guilty of this terrible crime, not just the adultery, but the cover-up, which is worse than the original crime. This murder of an innocent man, of a good man, and everything we see of Uriah. In fact, Uriah is going to be listed in one of David's mighty men. He isn't just somebody who David wrongs. He is somebody who is a follower of David, who is one of David's best men, who David steals his wife, and then takes his life. And God doesn't care that he did it through the sword of the Ammonites. He doesn't care that he didn't go over to his house in person and stab him. He still murdered Uriah. He doesn't even care that Uriah is a Hittite, that Uriah is not uh, Jewish. Uriah is a faithful servant of David. And we'll see that here, but we'll also find other references to him as we go along. Uriah is going to come up again. But David is found out. And the worst part of this for David, there's two parts that Nathan says. One is, guess what? You're going to have more of this happen to you, and it's going to happen in public by someone you know, someone close to you. And we'll see that coming just a few chapters from now, what Nathan was talking about. And the second one is the child will die. And that second part, let's read on here in the chapter. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, While the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? 
The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and captured the royal citadel. Joab then sent messengers to David, saying, I have fought against Rabbah and taken its water supply. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will take the city and it will be named after me. So David mustered the entire army and went to Rabbah and attacked and captured it. David took the crown from their king's head and it was placed on his own head. It weighed a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones. David took a great quantity of plunder from the city and David brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saws and with iron picks and axes, and he made them work at brick making. David did this to all the Ammonite towns. Then he and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. David goes into mourning, but really into contrition here. He humbles himself before God, hoping that God will change his mind and that the child will live. The tough part of this story, and I think the tough thing for us to understand, and this is something that comes up in jail ministry, is just because you come to a Bible study, for instance, in jail ministry, and just because you're sorry about what you did, and just because God forgives you, doesn't necessarily mean there aren't consequences. And the consequence of David's sin, his sin with Uriah's wife, you notice that it calls her that at first, not Bathsheba is that this child dies. And David hopes that God will change his mind, and maybe God would have changed his mind. And certainly his approach was correct in the sense of humbling himself and trying to see if God would change his mind and praying and fasting. But God doesn't. This time, this is the consequence. It's interesting to see all his servants are surprised by his reaction that while the child is alive, he is fasting. While the child is alive, he's fasting and contrite. And when the child dies, then he gets up and he eats and he changes his clothes and he washes. And they don't understand it, but his explanation makes perfect sense. While the child was alive, there was a chance. While the child was alive, God may have changed his mind. And it's interesting, the first thing he does, did you notice that the first thing he does when he gets up from the floor, from mourning, from fasting, not changing his clothes and such, he gets up, he gets up and first, before he eats, he goes to the house of the Lord and worshiped. David screwed up. David screwed up big. David is still a man with a heart for God. David is a man with a heart for God who screwed up big. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. David didn't break his relationship with God, although he certainly strained it. And so he knows the most appropriate place for him to go first is to go and worship. And he does that. And it's interesting that one of the consequences in this case was not that he and Bathsheba broke up. Now, he and Bathsheba married, even after an act of adultery, they married, even after he'd killed her husband or had him killed. It is, God is forgiving enough of David that 
God blesses the son that they have named Solomon. And Solomon, of course, is going to come up in this story again in a major way. And I'm sure you are not surprised by that. Although between now and that, there's going to be quite a bit of other drama, as Nathan said. And then the interesting thing, this chapter ended with that rather strange thing about they're fighting against the Ammonites. Remember, David didn't go. He stayed home, even though the army goes here. And Joab says, hey, I've captured the citadel. I'm about to take the city. If you don't come, I'm going to name the city after me, which I thought is just an interesting thing. I'm wondering if Joab was saying, you should have been here all along. He certainly should have been there all along or shouldn't have been bored and standing up on top of a city and looking at his neighbor's wife. I'm wondering if that's what Joab was saying. And then the other interesting thing about that story is after he captures them, the Ammonites, he makes them work at brickmaking. Does that sound at all familiar to any of you? What was it that the Jews who were slaves in Egypt were doing? They were making bricks. Food for thought, as well as what David went through, remember all that is done in secret will be made public eventually. This might be a good time if you have things that need to be resolved to resolve them and not wait for them to become public. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, send an email to host at com, or better yet, leave a comment in this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.